one. Hello and welcome into another edition of Battle Plans. I'm Tony Lombardi and I'm joined by James Ogden and Dev Pantois, both of Russell Street Report. Battle Plans is brought to you by Royal Farms. Royal Farms is now featuring any size coffee plus a breakfast sandwich for just $4. Royal Farms, real fresh, real fast. Guys, before we get into the battle plans, just some general thoughts on the Chargers game. It was a surprise for me. It was, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like, I was not fully shocked. I was surprised a bit by the, the score and how easy it was. But I actually came into that game, Tony. I was driving. I went, to this, I went to the game like you did. I was driving to the game, and I'm like, you know what? I think they might blow these guys out. I really did. Sure. I, I wish I had that on record. We recorded that or something, but um, something about the Herb, Herbert LA coming to Baltimore, it had the feel of like an old school Baltimore Ravens game. The, there was wind. I just felt it. And I think that it manifested itself. They were so physical against the chargers. They were teeing off on them. And I, I just think it was, it was a Ravens style old, old school style game. Um, and one of the, and to me, the most complete, victory they've had since 2019 yeah it's been a while since we've seen something like that and and i have to tell you and i think i shared that with you on the podcast last week that i thought the Chargers would easily handle the ravens just based upon the way the ravens played defense against the colts and as hot as the Chargers were but you both said something that made me actually you guys saved me some money because i was going to swear on it i was going to bet on the chargers and and take what was the two points they were giving, two and a half points. I was going to take the points. I said the Chargers are going to win this game. But something you both said kept me from doing that. And you and you both keyed in on you thought that Wink Martindale might throw a few wrinkles at a young quarterback, and that's what held me back. Yeah, right. we did. Yeah, James, you you nailed that in terms of the color. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that would be the case. He he did throw some wrinkles, didn't he? he? It wasn't actually one of his kind of most exotic games in terms of blitzes and, and pressure packages, but he just he just had it he he just had it all working. He, he, his his play calling was was outstanding, and I think they were helped a little bit by um, the Queen injury and Bynes getting in and getting everyone getting every getting all the communication right. But I I, I think the thing that for me that I was kind of most proud of was, was, I mean, I've said it a couple of weeks now, so it was going to be right at one point, but Deshaun Elliott coming back was huge for, for the defense. I think it allowed them to deploy some of his other weapons in different ways. And it also got, you know, just improved the communication no end. And I think we talked about that last week that the communication was going to be vital. And and when I did see Elliott was, was active, I kind of thought actually, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a big deal. So the Ravens are now five and one. Shockingly, the best record in the AFC, the number one seed right now, given all those injuries. And now Ronnie Stanley's the 17th player to go on injured reserve. They're hosting the four and two Bengals. This is for first place. You know, there's a we're recording this on Wednesday, so we know that there's a game tomorrow night with a banged up Browns team. If the Ravens can pull off this win against the Bengals go to six and one Bengals drop to what four and three and the Browns lose all of a sudden this AFC North looks completely different than it did a few weeks ago. That's right. Uh, Nobody would have thought the the Bengals themselves would be in a position to take the AFC North lead. Browns have just hit uh, the Browns are kind of doing some things that I thought they would do. I mean, I know they've had injuries, but 
they just don't play well and stand up against the better teams in the league. Uh, and I find that that's an interesting omission from the national media when they keep picking the Browns to go far and go to the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. The Steelers are still hanging in there. Their defense is coming back to form. I, I wouldn't count them out uh, at, at midseason, or, but their offense is still a problem. So, yeah, you're right, Tony. Uh, this, this isn't totally what we had the picture uh, of before the season or even a couple weeks back, uh, but the Ravens have been very impressive, of course. Well, let's get into this game and the Ravens hosting the Bengals and just get into the offensive keys. And, and the last time these teams met, guys, the Ravens ran for 404 yards. 404 yards. That's not a misprint or not a misstatement. But this is a better defense, James, than the one the Bengals sent out on the field last season. Yeah, you've got to suspend your sort of what you know about the Bengals' defense from the last couple of years. This is a different defense. Lou Anarumo, who's the defensive coordinator, and he's in his third year now. He came over with Zach Taylor um, onto the team as the defensive coordinator when Zach Taylor took over the, the head coaching job. And obviously Taylor's an offensive coach, so Anarumo has been given the, the keys to the keys to the car, really, on defense. He has finally sort of turned it around. They, they had a bad first year for him. His second year was historically bad in lots of ways, but he also had a lot of injuries in the second year. But he has kind of done a complete reclamation job on on this on this defense. So there's it, it's a totally you know totally different personnel, a lot of lot of turnover. You got Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap are no longer there. It's there's no it's there's no longer really any remnants of the kind of shell of the Marvin Lewis defense that he was handed over when he when he first took the keys. And so he's he's remade this defense very differently. It's a it's a base three four defense. Um, they they do morph into kind of a into into a four three at times, but it's a very different defense in terms of structure. Uh, they they run mostly cover three and cover one, but they in terms of the structure, it's very different. But also in terms of the personnel, you know. So we you especially to stop the run, you know, you've got. You've got DJ Reader who came over from the Texans, who's who's one of the best run stuffing noses in the league. Um, Larry Ogajobi is, is is sort of been misused over his career and looks a little bit revived in, in this defense. And then the the edge is not not so much on the run defense, but Trey Hendrickson and, and Sam Hubbard. Trey Hendrickson especially has looked like a really really shrewd pickup to as a, as an edge guy uh, and has a lot of pressures and sacks already this year. So this is a very different defense. But I don't think the recipe changes. I do think the Ravens still have to have to run the ball. That's the, I think that's the way you win this game. I I think you have to run the ball to set up the pass. I, I don't believe that the Bengals are going to sell out to stop the run in the same way that we've seen with some other teams. I think they're gonna. I think they will play their usual game, um, and I think that means we, you know we're going to have to run the ball well. I, I, you know, I, I think I think the way that we do it is is through our is through our usual approach. They haven't seen um, a heavy man approach yet from any from any team. They, they've used they've seen mostly zone so far this defense, and they're fourth in DVOA on in rush defense at the moment. So they they played they played it very well. The Packers had some success against them running some zone zone blocking, but the Packers you know are very very are a very very good zone team. Um, and the Bengals haven't haven't faced anything like what the Ravens are going to throw at them. So I do think that we that we see a, you know a heavy dose of what we usually see from from Greg Roman in the run game this week. You know the art of deception is now more in play for the Ravens than at any other time with Lamar at quarterback. 
given his improvement as a passer. And you guys seem to think that throwing out the heavy formations against the Bengals just might be one of those, one such act of deception. Expand upon that for us, Dev. I, I, yeah, I totally think so. Uh, the Ravens got back to some of those roots against the Chargers. Uh, you saw more one receiver, one wide formations, uh, meaning they just had one receiver to either the weak or strong side, um, you know, to the boundary. Um, not in the tight formation. So they were, they really used a nice combination of two back and two tight end, or, you know, you saw um, some variations in the backfield, three, ba- you know, three players in the backfield at once, or kind of a full house look. And then one would motion out. Um, they, the return of Miles Boykin, I thought provided a little bit of a subtlety uh, in that the red zone, they could really get, uh, they could get some nice goal line packages together, but also have enough on the field uh, to create some mismatch opportunities if they wanted to in the passing game. So you combine that with, I think, just a, more of a dedication to getting those bigger formations out there. Patrick Ricard had a, had a heck of a game. Uh, and it, I think created a lot of problems for the Chargers. So I, I can, and I think it, it, similarly, you transfer that over uh, to this game, to James's point, this is a, a front that gets pretty uh, creative with their disguise. Uh, I think they, they, they work better when teams are, are spread out and, and they're able to kind of use some different blitz packages, you want to slow that down. And I, I believe the Ravens have, have the formula if they continue to lean in on those power or big formations, uh, it also can help the run game and, and it really sets their, their play action and their RPO game up very well as well. James, uh, protection at times against the Chargers looked a bit spotty. And in the past, the Bengals, They've had some success getting after the Ravens quarterbacks, even with just four. What is Joe Sanders group going to do on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, they're going to they're bring the heat. They, they, they don't bring the heat in terms of blitz, but they do uh, in terms of their one-on-one matchups. They, they often, uh, they're close to, they, they're very close to leading the league with the amount of times they, they only rush three. So that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of times you will see them just rush, just rush the three. Um, they they then rush four a lot. They don't blitz very much, but when they rush four, Trey Hendrickson is is a real handful. Uh, they they will get Reader off the field and, and get other guys through. Ogunjobi is difficult to to deal with too. So they are a bit of a handful in terms of the the pressure. And, and don't forget this this defense last year was last. It was historically bad in terms of sacks and pressures. They were they were very bad. So they have sort of completely remade this and, and with losing Lawson as well. So this is a very different, a very different front uh, that are much more efficient at getting to, to the quarterback. So I do think um, to Dev's point earlier, you know, bringing those heavy formations is, is going to be key because I think we do need to do need to think about keeping in, keeping in some guys to, to sort of max protect, maybe some chips just to, just to keep them off balance, keep those rush plans off balance, you know, Hendrickson has proven that he wasn't really, you know, everybody was sort of wondering whether he was just a one-year wonder out in New Orleans, but he, he certainly hasn't been. He's he's come into the come into the Bengals into a into a different different scheme for him. You know, he hasn't he he's admitted that he hasn't stood stood up since college and hasn't hasn't dropped since college, but he's been doing a bit of that. He's maybe a little bit of a weakness in in the run game, I would say. Uh, they they seem to he does play the right defensive end, and they're they're not very good when you run to the left on them. 
so he may be somebody to attack in the run game, but as a, as a as a pass rusher, he's he's a he's he's a struggle. I, I just want to also wanted to touch on some of the Dev said. Uh, like one of the things that I've have out of a heavy formation, obviously play action is a is a great thing to use, and I, I, I'm looking for them this this um, this week to use um, a couple of different passing concepts, specifically the Yankee passing concept, which gets a um, overlapping routes from from two receivers out of a heavy formation. So you bring in two two wide even in in even in a heavy formation and one of them runs a overlapping row one of them was a post um and run one of them runs a, a a deep over and i think we could get some success on that the the, the post route uh, i you know i think the the person you sort of most famous for in that concept for having a lot of success on the post route is deshaun jackson and and Marquise Brown has always kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Jackson. So that that'll be interesting if we can get some some of those passing concepts working out, those heavy formations. It'll be good because you've got that extra protection in there for Lamar as well. You're listening to Battle Plans from Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi, joined by James Ogden and Dev Pantois. And we're brought to you by Royal Farms. Let's get into the defensive keys, guys. Last season in one game, Joe Burrow was 19 of 30 for 183 yards. No touchdowns, one interception, a lost fumble, and he was sacked seven times. Safe to say that the Ravens made him feel uncomfortable. What can they do this time around? So they they, they, Oh, go for it, James. I was going to say, do the same thing again? No. Yeah, that's basically it, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one because uh, Zach Taylor – you know, he's now in year three and you'd expect to see some progress on, uh, and you are seeing some, but he's also, he's, he is not protecting his offensive line. Like that offensive line is not good. They are not a good offensive line. They did not invest in it. They, they did invest some draft capital in it, but they didn't invest their, their top 10 pick in on the offensive line. So Jackson Carmen was the, was the highest pick. They was the highest pick they had. He's, he's injured. So they're, they're banged up on the right hand on the right side, but also Zach Taylor doesn't help with a lot of the play calls. You know, they, they run a very high proportion of empty um, to what to, in relation to the rest of the league. And he, he gets his, he, he puts his offensive line in situations where big on big happens all the time. And they have five O line to block five rushes and that O line cannot hold up one-on-one. It's just not for very long. And so I think pressuring Burrow is, is going to be key. I think we don't necessarily, I don't think the Ravens necessarily need to be doing it with um, heavy blitzes, but I do think what I would do is I'd change the point of attack a lot. I would, I would use the, I would use stunts, uh, which I don't think they used any in the Chargers game. So I would bring, bring some stunts back in. I'd also bring in, um, sort of you know basically overloading to one side but then dropping some guys out and bringing a a, a maybe an off-ball defender from from the other side because I've been a little bit I think their slide protection specifically has been a little bit suspect so it'll be really interesting I think to see if we can sort of Wink can can game plan once again and and be selective in the way that he blitzes um and the way that he brings those um those simulated pressures to, to to really keep Burrow off balance and James, they did that against the Chargers just to jump in. I mean, slide protections were the problem that they had because they had those overload exchanges. And then Austin Eckler was was just he didn't know where to go. So they really attacked him. And I think Herbert also had a hard time just understanding where the blitz was coming from from side to side. And he mentioned that after the game. So 
just I think in unison, the slide protection aspect, if you can get them moving the wrong way, I think opens things up tremendously. Yeah, well, and Herbert's, sorry, sorry, Tony, Herbert's, you know, Herbert started, you know, just as much as Burrow as well. You know, Burrow missed, missed some games towards the end of last season. So we forget that Burrow isn't a, a seasoned vet. Um, he processes pretty quickly, but it, 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 I don't think he processes as quickly as Herbert. So, you know, he, he may also be a little bit. And the, the other problem is as much as his mobility doesn't look bad he is a he sort of he's you know when he was at lsu his he was elite off script he was elite outside the pocket and off platform and that's kind of gone away from his game a little bit so there's less of a problem if you do get him off platform get him outside the structure of the the, the pocket before he would kill you in, in those situations and it's nowhere near as dangerous anymore Against the Chargers, Wink had an upper hand against Herbert because he hadn't seen that kind of defense before. And as you said, James, he, he didn't show a lot of different looks or any exotic blitzes or, or not many. Do you think that having only seen the Ravens defense once, uh, Joe Burrow I'm talking about, does it still give the Ravens the upper hand? I think so. I think it was it was long enough ago. And I think that, you know, he, the thing was, if you go back and watch that game, I'm not sure Burrow will remember much of that game. His head was spinning most of the game. You know, they, 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 they felt like they were bringing pressure every, every single snap. So uh, he, he would have to go back and um, dive deep into the film and that'd be a painful watch for him. I, I think, I think it's, I think there's, you know, we usually see an adjustment period for most, for most rookie QBs that come into the AFC North it, it, it's not usually the first, it's not usually the second game where they start to get it. Usually it's, you know, it's a little, if they're, if they're worth their salt, it's usually three or four games down the line by the time they start to, you know, start to, to figure out what's going on. Dev, uh, Burrow has his old college buddy as his pitch and catch mate, that being, of course, Jamar Chase. And he presents some problems and he's quickly becoming, as I said, uh, Joe Burrow's buddy, he's his go-to guy like he was at LSU. What do you think the Ravens need to do on the outside, the perimeter, the boundaries, and even downfield to help control Chase? Yeah, he's become a monster, just can handle any coverage. They use him a variety of ways. They use him uh, underneath on some slips screens. Uh, he's been dangerous in, in the open field that way. Of course, the jump balls downfield. And then he's run by people, which is something I didn't necessarily uh, see coming. He, you know, just getting pure separation on nine routes and vertical routes. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got the complete package and uh, it's tough because if you play two, you know, two guys to his side or try to cover him, double cover him, they obviously have T Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd who can kind of eat up, uh, those other matchups. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I anticipate and to James's point, one of the things you could change up from last year is maybe you rely a little bit more on the coverage. Yeah. You want to get after Burrow with some simulated pressures, but maybe you want to mix up also the, the coverage looks on the back end. Um, show some, 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 show sometimes that Chase is singled up, but uh, and then post snap they flip the safeties and he ends up being double covered. So I think they're gonna have to do some things between the pre snap and post snap phase where they change coverages. Having Deshaun Elliott back is a huge help for that. Having Brandon Stevens, I think, just continue to get you know get more and more playing time and have the versatility to move around. Jimmy Smith as well. So they have a lot of guys that can morph into different spots and change the coverages on the fly. And I think one of the things Wink's, Wink has done a great job of this season, again, going back to last year, maybe he, he, he didn't have any problems just kind of, 
you know, uh, doing all out pressures. Now he's got a more very, very varied style and will rely on his coverages uh, and, and drop guys into coverage. So he's got that willingness to do that. And I think that could play a, a good hand in this game. Last yeah, week that- we were looking at Eckler as being a potential problem for the Ravens, given the struggles that they've had at inside linebacker with, you know, not being able to shed blocks, also not being able to cover backs and coverage backs that released into the flat or even crossers. Do you think that Joe Mixon presents the same kinds of problems for the Ravens? Go ahead, Dev, you take this one. Oh, I, I believe he does. I don't know that he does to the extent that Eckler does because Eckler's also a really good route runner, uh, a pure route runner. But I think Mixon on uh, in the open field, he's he actually had – I think there were some comparisons made to him as a mini bell or like a baby bell, right? So kind of has some of those uh, traits. Uh, so he's got the chance to hurt them underneath. We've seen the Ravens uh, already this season get hurt by the underneath passes and the screens. They did tighten that up a big, uh, a great deal last game against the Chargers. And a lot of that I can attribute, or I would attribute to, to Josh Bynes. I just think he had them in the right places. There was just a no nonsense effort. So do I think Mixon can be a threat? Yeah, I, I do. His skill set for sure is, is a bit daunting, but uh, I do think the Ravens will be uh, kind of keen on, on being able to play that better. If Tony, if I could add some, just um, add something on the chase, on, on chase, just some of the, the rules that I think I've, I've kind of, I, I've, I've put in the battle plans piece. I think you, with chase, you have to, um, you've got to, he loves a jam. He loves to get physical at the line of scrimmage. So you, you probably don't want to jam him very much at all because he's going to get off it and and then you've lost pretty pretty quickly. He also will beat you depending on... He, he can beat you. You can sit in outside leverage on him knowing that you've got inside help, but he will beat you outside and deep even if you sit in outside leverage. He has a lot of tricks. If you just play off coverage because you, you think you need to respect the deep ball and you need to just keep it all in front of you, he's going to get in your blind spot and you're, you're going to have a real problem with comeback routes. So the guy is an absolute nightmare. I actually think one one technique that would help and would also help with um, disguising, disguising coverage and happily is a technique that Marlon Humphrey is extremely proficient in um, is catch man, which is where you, you sort of, where the DB stands about five yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, and sort of resets the point at which they jam. So they 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 wait, they let the, the receiver eat up the cushion and then they get physical. And I think that's the that also then also sort of shows it sort of shows a softer or maybe even a zone coverage to the to the quarterback uh, pre-snap, but actually then it's not, it's it's a man coverage. So I think that's that's one of the techniques I'd like to see them use, but I'd also like to see them stay away from jams, do not get hands on him at the line of scrimmage. And I would also stay stay out of off coverage entirely as well. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about, guys, and I know we haven't really discussed this prior to the podcast, the Ravens played lights out special teams last week in terms of kick coverage, punt coverage, punt return, kick return. How do they compare to what the Bengals put out there on the field? James, you want to take that one? Because I, <laughs> I think – I think we're on the same page. It's that's a pretty big uh, difference, right? Yeah. So yeah, although this, the the Bengals are a, a much better um, special teams unit than they've been in the past, they they are. 
yeah, they're much better special teams unit than they have been in the past. They're they're a little bit deficient on on kick return from from the from the the tape I've watched. Um, but they're much better in terms of their kick and their punt coverages than we've seen in the past. So I do think that it's it's probably not quite as as much of a um of a of a weakness as it was in the past. But it also the the thing for me is that it doesn't have as much value add as the Ravens have from their from from their special teams. You know. Devin Duvernay leads leads the league in terms of in terms of returns. And you know, if you want to go and look at, you know, you want to go and look all of our, you know, if you go and look at uh, football outsiders, I'm pretty sure I'm not looking at it right now, but I'm pretty sure we're in positive DVOA across the board in terms of all all of the um all five of the of the special teams units. So Cincinnati, much better team than they were before. They're pretty good on coverage but they've got nowhere near the kind of value add on special teams that the Ravens have. And, and, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it can be a difference in, in, in tight games and some of the Bengals games, you know, sometimes, you know, you forget the last, if you forget the last couple of years that we have played some, some tight battles against this team. Um, so it, it might be a difference maker. The, the Ravens are getting back to being dominant on special teams guys. You've heard it. You heard it here first. Like this chargers game is laying the foundation because they are they're just doing such a great job in all phases to James's point. And what really stood out to me is not just Duvernay is really ascending as a return man, but it is that those coverage teams that really killed this team the last couple of seasons. And with this new group and, and Stevens made his impression last week, man, they, they are, they're flying around. Uh, Adafi Owe is even getting, you know, he gets reps on special teams. We know that this is a good core of young uh, special teamers and, and the coverage unit is much better. So I, I think it's going to continue to help them win ball games. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being top five at the end of the year. Yeah. Not only that, they, they tackled extremely well as did the defense. And that was a difference, I think in the game versus previous games that the Ravens played. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that was the big standout. And I, I know we touched on it in the prior uh, episode that we were just terrified of tackling prospects, especially when we saw what they did against the Colts. And it was a complete 180 and guys were in the right gaps. They were in the right spots. And I think Harbaugh talked about that. And just, it's amazing how are you, you're really telling me that binds us this one, <laughs> one, like, I guess, calming presence that brought them all together. If it, hey, but I think beyond that, it's also Deshaun Elliott's return to J- James has been talking about it quite profusely. Uh, you you combine that and they just they had a lot of pride at, and I think hopefully this is a turnaround game for them, knowing that this is what they're capable of doing against a very good offense that has a lot of weapons. Dev, I want to stay with you real quickly. Any key matchups that you're going to be focusing in on? And then I'll ask James the same thing. It's it's one of the ones he already kind of alluded to, which is the Jamar Chase Marlon Humphrey uh, matchup that looks like salivating on paper because. Humphrey is one of the few uh, DBs in this league that I think physically could actually uh, handle Chase, not handle, but I think he's got the physicality to uh, take on that, that monumental task. You saw him do some of that against, I thought, I thought Marlon had probably his best game of the season. Uh, I don't know about based on PFF or any of these scores. I'm just saying with my own eyes, uh, just because he handled, he pretty much physically handled Mike Williams so that's the one that I would be looking out for the most. James? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to, so I'm going to change it up a little bit because I, I, I do think we, I could talk about 
Uh, Tavon Young against Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's a really underrated receiver for me. Um, one of one of the better slot receivers in the league. But I think in terms of actual key to the game, I think I'm going to go Villanueva taking on Hendricks, Trey Hendrickson. That that's going to be huge. Uh, and you know, if, if Villanueva wins that wins that matchup in terms of in the one on one scenarios that he'll have to he'll have to he will have to uh, perform in i think there'll be times when we get him some help but if you do if he does win that one those one-on-ones i think it goes a long way to winning this game guys great stuff as always and that's battle plans for week seven as the ravens play their third consecutive game at home this one against the Bengals for first place in the north check out james complete battle plans on russell street report thanks for joining us be sure to follow us on twitter at russell street report And also make us one of your favorites on Spotify, iTunes, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Audible. We'll talk to you next week.